Thank you, team, for leading us. Thanksgiving came early to sunrise this year. Uh, if you remember, on March 31st, we celebrated 20 years as a congregation. That's one of the things we thank God for and have been thanking God for all this year. Uh, el Día de Acción de Gracias fue para nosotros a finales de marzo cuando celebramos 20 años de, de ser una iglesia aquí en este, esta comunidad. And there were a couple people that were not at that celebration, but they're here today, Martín uh, mentioned the Vanderscaffs. Doug and Bernita Vanderscaff are with us this morning, and we want to thank them. Thank you for your part in that story. Uh, we get to celebrate with you now, the week before Thanksgiving, but in case you don't uh, have not met Doug and Bernita, Doug, uh, for many, many years from the beginning of Sunrise, was often found here uh, at the drum set, taking out his frustrations as a high school pr principal, just getting it all out and praising God, and Bernita was often with our children and sharing God's word with them, and a lot of them are already grown up and gone and married off, and, and some of them are here right now, but uh, we thank God for the investment that people have made in our lives. Damos gracias a Dios, Doug, era uno que tocaba batería aquí muchos años y su esposa Bernita hablaba y trabajaba con los niños enseñándoles la palabra de Dios. So uh, thank you, welcome, and welcome to all of you. Bienvenidos a todos, we're thankful for your presence, and we are thankful for the treasure that we have in our children. And we're going to send them out right now for children in worship time. And look at that crowd going. It is great. We are so grateful for each one of you boys and girls. Estamos agradecidos con el Señor por cada niño y cada maestra, cada ayudante. We're grateful also for the teachers and helpers in that ministry. Uh, what a, a great legacy God is forming there through them. And we're going to spend some time together in his word. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles in the back. Tenemos Biblias de atrás. So uh, many of you may know that in January, I was privileged to go on a trip with Martin. We went to Costa Rica together, and we were gone for eight days. In enero fui a Costa Rica ocho días. Uh, we did a pastor's conference and some other things. Hicimos una conferencia de pastores y líderes allá. And for eight days, I had everything that I needed in this. Eight days worth of clothing and eight days worth of hygiene items and books and everything I needed was packed into these two uh, suitcases here. Todo lo que necesitaba estaba empacado acá en estas dos maletas. Thanks to YouTube, okay, I was able to figure out a system to put everything I needed in there. Gracias a YouTube pude tener un sistema de empacar and I had seven days worth of clothing plus what I was wearing, okay? In that trip, I wore everything once except for one t-shirt. I did not wear it, okay? Al regresar, tenía una camiseta que no había llevado. I think the only thing I wore twice was a pair of socks. That was it, okay? Oh, and... And I bought a swimming suit down there with some sandals, okay, and gifts for all the people that I was bringing back. And I took that back with me in all of this. Compré sandalias, traje de baño, también regalos para las personas. Women, don't even try it. <laughs> don't you, I know, you could not be able to do what I did. I'm not bragging. Yes, I am. I am bragging about my packing abilities, okay? 
But the point of this bragging is that there are places in God's word, there are scriptures that I believe are a lot like these suitcases. Hay palabras y secciones de la palabra de Dios que son como estas dos maletas. In other words, there are places in the Bible where we go and what we find is in a very small space, we find words of amazing grace and amazing truth that are packed into a small space. And oftentimes we just pass by and we carry them along and we don't even realize what they are. Hay espacios donde hay palabras de gracia y verdad en la palabra de Dios empacadas y hasta a veces no nos damos cuenta de, de su significado. I want to share with you this morning one of those places. It's found in Romans chapter 11. It's in the second half of the Bible. I don't have a page number for you this morning, but if you look in the New Testament, Romans chapter 11, beginning at verse 33 through verse 36. That's just as I believe four verses. Romanos 11, del 33 al 36. And here, uh, the early church leader Paul is is he's just gotten through three chapters of trying to figure out God's plan for the people of Israel and for the Gentiles and for all peoples. Pablo ha estado intentando investigar el plan de Dios para los gentiles y los judíos. Last week we talked a little bit about that, how he had this great pain for his people because they were not coming to faith. Tenía gran pena por su pueblo que no venía la fe. And he kind of gets all the way to the end of this and in chapter 11, thanks for the help there, uh, chapter 11, at verse 33, he goes into this, this word, and he says, Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Que profundas son las riquezas de la sabiduría y del conocimiento de Dios. Que indescifrables sus juicios e impenetrables sus caminos. ¿Quién ha conocido la mente del Señor o quién ha sido su consejero? ¿Quién le ha dado primero a Dios para que luego Dios le pague? Porque todas las cosas proceden de él y existen por él y para él. A él sea la gloria por siempre. Amén. There's a lot packed into this. And Bible scholars uh, will say, will tell us that what we have here is called a doxology. In fact, it might say that in the particular Bible that you're reading. Se trata de una doxología, doxology. The word doxology comes from two other words that mean a word of glory or an expression of praise, of thanks to God. Doxología es una palabra, una expresión de gloria o de gracias a Dios. In fact, the song we just sang this morning, that's a song I grew up singing in church. Many of you who have grown up in the Christian family, you know that song. And what do we call that song? The doxology. Cantamos lo que es la doxología. Would you sing it with me? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. 
Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Don't forget, Amen, right? That's a beautiful song, but why is that a doxology? What is a doxology? ¿Qué es una doxología? Well, as I've looked at this, I realize that there are kind of two characteristics that we can find in most doxologies. One, there's a word of glory, a word of praise and thanks to God for his gifts, for what he gives. Una palabra de gloria de gracia por los regalos, los dones de Dios. It says in Romans 11:36, for from him and through him and to him are all things. All gifts to him be the glory forever for all of his gifts. Porque proceden de él, eh, todas las cosas proceden de él, existen por él y para él, a él sea la gloria para siempre. Amen. So there's some element of recognizing the incredible gifts of God that are packed into our creation. And there's another element of, of, the, of the doxology and uh, another aspect Hay otro aspecto, and it's this. Not only is there a word of glory and thanks for the gifts of God, there is a word of glory and thanks for God himself. For the, the amazing greatness, the awesome wonder of who God is. Es una palabra de maravilla, de asombro por quien Dios es. Romans 11:33 Oh the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out who's known the mind of the Lord que profundas son las riquezas de la sabiduría del conocimiento de Dios que indescifrables sus juicios impenetrables sus caminos quien ha conocido la mente del Señor Can you hear the praise the wonder the thought God is great. God is full of glory, of richness, of wisdom, of goodness. And he deserves the credit. It's not only thanks for the gifts, but thanks for the giver. giver. Son gracias por el que da, no solo el, el, lo que el da a nosotros. Psalm 115 says, not to us, O Lord, not to us, O Lord, but to your name give glory. To your name give praise for your love and faithfulness. Tu gloria no es para nosotros, dice Salmo, sino para ti, Señor, por tu gran amor y fidelidad. That's doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. One God. Three amazing persons. How marvelous can you get? Gloria a Dios por lo que Él da y gloria al Padre, Hijo, Espíritu Santo, la maravilla de Dios en tres personas. 2 Corinthians 9.15 puts it this way. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Gracias a Dios por su don inefable, dice 2 Corinthians. What's the indescribable gift of God? You saw it in the video, right? It's Jesus. 
That's right, Jesus is the indescribable gift of God and yet he comes to us in in a form that can be described. The whole New Testament describes Jesus, the indescribable gift of God. But what makes him the indescribable gift of God is that the indescribable gift of God is also God the giver with us and we can't even begin to understand how marvelous that is. Jesus is packed with the goodness of God. Jesús es el regalo inefable, el don inefable de Dios, pero también es el que da todas las cosas. So a doxology, in a way, for me, is like these suitcases. You have something in just a few words. You have something that you can carry with you, and if you take the time to unpack it, there is so much stuffed in there. Una doxología es como una maleta que llevas contigo y si, si lo, la empacas puedes ver cuánto hay adentro. So with that in mind, I've asked a, a, a few of our servant leaders at Sunrise here, people involved in our ministry, two or three of them to come up right now and I want them to kind of share from their own experience, from their own walk with God, what, how that works in their life, what a doxology is for them or what praise or thanks is. And so I'm gonna yield here for just a moment and, and invite them to come up and share. I'll come back then after they're finished. But I'm gonna invite our, one of our elders, Cody, to come up first. And I'm looking for microphone number 25. Not sure which one it is. Is it that one? There it is, okay. Good morning. I'm, I'm not going to lie, I stand here in front of, you know, Mr. Vanderskaff is here and he was my Bible teacher in high school. And there was a point in high school, I guarantee if we were to have this flash forward and say there's going to be a point where he's sitting and I'm up here, I would have told you we're crazy. <laughs> this is a, this is a, a uh, encouragement for all of you with high school kids that you look at them and you think, what are they thinking? <laughs> to God be the glory that you can be here today, right? So let's go ahead and unpack a scripture like Pastor Russ talked about. My doxology I'm going to be talking about today is Romans 15, 5 through 6. And this is not one of the kind of normal ones that you would look at in the Bible. One of the ones, you know, the doxology we had, the one Pastor Russ read. This is a little different, so we're going to unpack this. Romans 15, 5 through 6. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's got a couple aspects in here. One, there's a couple gifts that God, that God has that we ask for in this, characteristics. He's God of patience and comfort. The second part, like Pastor Russ talked about, is we're recognizing who he is, that we glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. But what I want to talk about is a little bit like, how do we get here? How do we get to this doxology? How do we get to these points, these points like in Romans eleven thirty three through 36 and in Romans 15, 5 through 6? What leads up to it? So we're going to just kind of glance back. And, at Ro- and Paul is addressing multiple issues starting in Romans chapter 14, working up to this. Some kind of some difficult issues, some issues that were causing strife in the church, that were causing division amongst the Roman Christians at the time. 
some of the issues that he was talking about was, he's, now, now remember, he's talking to Jews and Gentiles at the time. And he's talking to Jews that are converting over into Christianity. So they, they've been living under the Abrahamic, or the, excuse me, the Mosaic law, the Ten Commandments, those laws for so long. And now we're under Christ. And Paul sees that. But Paul sees this division that's happening in the church in Rome at the time. Some of the divisions that, that strife that he's talking about is whether one should eat meat or not. What, what was clean and unclean for the Christians to be eating at the point? Whether they should consume alcohol or not. What was okay, what was not okay? Disputes over certain holy days that some Jews were, were honoring and others were not. These were all causing divisions in the church. Sound familiar? From church, from congregation, maybe from house church to house church at the time. You know, they would be, there was finger pointing and there was discussions that were happening. And, and Paul, Paul is addressing this directly to the Romans. Specifically in 14, 1 through 13, he's addressing all this, ending with, Therefore, let us not judge one another, but rather resolve this not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. So Paul is addressing these difficult subjects to the Roman Christians, and kind of in 1 through 13, he ends with, don't judge each other on these issues. Don't put a stumbling block. If, if you have someone who is not quite there yet in understanding what Christ has for us, that all these foods are okay to eat, you have somebody who's not there in understanding that yet, don't push on them and point at them and and cause them to, stall, to, to fall in their faith, to stumble in what they're learning. So Paul's working through some difficult tasks here. So as we move forward, he continues to address a lot of this. That some of the changes are really difficult for some of them. God is calling the strong, the more mature Christians, Paul is saying it here, not to be that stumbling block for the weak. Now, I want to stop for a second and take a little side note here. You know, one of the main things that Paul says in there is don't judge them. Don't cause them to, to stumble in their salvation. Let's, let's start to work this as we, as we mature. But there are essential truths to our salvation, essential truths to our faith that, that are not able to be, they can't be compromised. There is no room for interpretation apart from the direct truth of the Bible. Paul talks about this. Now, Now think about that, right? At one point, Paul is saying, hey, don't cause them to stumble, Romans 14, right? Don't get in their way, right? In Galatians 3, Paul's speaking to the Galatians here, and he says, oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Okay, so let's understand this. There are essential truths through our salvation that can't be, that can't be negotiated. There's no room for compromise here, Right? Paul in Romans is talking about these things that, that aren't essential truths to our salvation. And they're those kind of areas where you're like, ah, you know, where is that out, right? Now, he does not give us the point to say, hey, we can't ever judge anybody, right? God gives us, he, Paul tells us here in Galatians, hey, don't be foolish. You've been bewitched. You've been somebody leading you away from the truth. Again, in Philippians 3.18, for many walk of whom I have told you often. He's talking about Christians who are walking. He's, he's telling the Philippians, I've told you about them, but that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. They've been led astray. I say this because it is up to us to know the truth. 
It is up to us to seek out the truth, to study the word and to know the truth and know those essentials of our salvation. But it is also essential of us to unify the church. It's essential of us as Christians to be together that we are worshiping and glorifying God. Ephesians 4, 14 through 15. This speaks to what, what our direction as to our study and, and our understanding of truth. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. So, we went away there. Remember, we're in Romans 15, 5 through 6. This is this doxology we're talking about. And he's leading up to this. He's tackling all these tough concepts, speaking on the, you know, he knows the truth. He studied the word. He's speaking to his Christians who are studying the word. He's trying to filter out the truths of our salvation versus these things that don't put a stumbling block in front of somebody. And what out of all this hard study and discussion comes? Praise to God. That's the, the, the doxology. This, this, it's out of this study, out of this hard thing. All that can come out of this when they're in this so hard is praise and glory to God. Romans eleven thirty three through 36, Pastor Russ talked about in Romans chapter 9, leading up to that whole part, he is, he, Paul is struggling because he is looking at the Jews who God hardened their heart. So that way, the gospel could go to the Gentiles, to us. And Paul is looking at this as a good Jew, a great Jew himself, saying, what is, how does this happen? And he's, and he's working through this, and he's, and he's writing this to the Romans, and he's going through this hard part of, of it moving to the Gentiles, and he's seeing Jews who aren't following it, and that the, their hearts had to be hardened, so that way it could go out past them. And now the Bible is spreading. And out of that hard couple of chapters, he comes out, and what can, does he do? He writes this wonderful doxology in 33 through 36, giving glory and praise to God. The study, the theology, is a study of the nature of God. It's a study, you hear these words theology, doxology, they sound, they sound really complex sometimes. Pastor us, it's simple, it's, it's the praise of God. Doxology, theology, is a study of the nature of God. That's what we are doing and seeing is, and in turn requires, that God requires of us, requires of us, of us to study and to learn about him and to grow closer to him. That's theology. And what comes at the end of theology is this doxology, the simple praise of God. That's the goal of the study. Of God. That's the goal of the study of the word, is as we move closer and closer and know more and more about him, we do nothing but want to give him praise and honor and glory in everything that we do. I was in a um, study this week, and it was by a gentleman that some of you know, uh, John Plukstra is his name, and he put this really simply. 
We study the Bible not to master it, but for the Bible to master us. That is what Paul, Paul is writing about here. Paul is writing about that we work through these differences. We understand the essential truths of our faith. We push, we push those things that are not essential to our faith off to the side. Now, we have to study to know that. And out of all this study and all this learning that we have, it comes to us yeah, that we are able to give this simple praise to God, that the God of patience and comfort grant, grant us to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus, that we with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God wants us to know him, to become more like him. We do that through study. But the ultimate goal of study is the worship and glory to God. The ultimate end of the world here and of, of Christ's return is talked about in Revelations where, where, where John is writing and where heaven comes back on earth. And it's just, to me, it was so simple when going through this. We, you look at all of this study that happens and all of this, um, you know, all of this, this bickering that sometimes we do from church to church, denomination to con not denomination, and we look at all these things. But when we break down the essential truths of God and the essential truths of our salvation, and we are following those things and giving worship and glory to God, that is the perfect end. And that's what God talks about. That's what is written in Revelations 5.8. This is describing heaven. And think about the perfectness that is heaven. And it says, And they do not day or night, they, excuse me, and they do not stop day or night saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. The perfectness of heaven is described as the constant glory of praise and worship given to him. And that is God's requirement from us, that we get ourselves to where we are glorifying and honoring him in everything that we do. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for these, these suitcases that you give us that we can take with us and we can, in the truths that you give us in your word, Lord, that we can carry with us and give us that constant reaffirmation that to all glory, honor, and praise be you, Lord. And we just pray we glorify and honor you today and always. In Jesus' name, amen. It's tough. <laughs> Um, or Martin. <laughs> yeah, I was asked to um, give a scripture and a little bit of my testimony and what the scripture means to me. Um, the scripture for my doxology is um, in Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. And it says, uh, Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, 
will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Um, that verse, that scripture alone has just brought me through day in and day out. How many of us struggle with anxiety or being anxious or just not having control of situations that we think we should have control over? Um, and one particular, there's so many situations in my life that I could turn to when I, with this scripture, but one particular situation in my life, as many as you know, I, uh, I had a preemie. I have a preemie baby. Um, but before I was blessed with my baby, um, my husband and I, we did try to uh, have a baby over the, uh, for seven, a course of seven years. I, I was pregnant for, uh, I was pregnant five times and lost each and every one of the pregnancies. And um, it was five miscarriages and one molar pregnancy, which is um, a form of cancer that forms in your uterus and it gives off pregnancy hormones, making your body think that you're pregnant. And um, with men, it's actually testicular cancer, but with women, it gives off um, a pregnancy hormone. So going through all of that, year after year, not being able to conceive, not being able to um, get pregnant, you know, I, I was broken, I was shattered, I felt like I wasn't in control. Um, I was trying to be strong, I was trying to have that faith that I was raised with to show my husband that at the end, God has the final say. God, it's God's will. He knows my heart's desire. He knows I've been wanting to be a mother since I was a child. I took care of my younger siblings. He knows how bad I want to have a baby. And um, so finally, the, the last miscarriage I had, um, I, I said, you know what, I'm, I'm done. I told my husband, I'm done. This is, we can't keep doing this. I can't keep putting my body through this. Um, I told him that I'm gonna stop. You know, we're gonna stop trying. It's in God's hands. And that night I prayed, I cried out to, I cried out to God. I actually read this scripture. Um, I gave it to God. All the anxiety I had, all of just the anxious feelings I had in, um, that I was experiencing, all of the hurt, the brokenness that came with, you know, I, my, my self-esteem was shattered. I felt like I just couldn't do one of the very things that a woman should be able to do, which is give birth. And so um, mentally, I was, I was done. But, um, you know, I cast all my cares on, into, onto God, and um, I prayed. I thanked him every single day for blessing me to be a mother. Um, I prayed I prayed it in advance. I spoke it into existence. I told God, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for making me a mother. Thank you for blessing my womb. Thank you for healing my womb to be able to carry and to be able to, to, to give birth to a beautiful, healthy baby. And uh, a year later, I was blessed with a baby. I was blessed with my baby, and she was preemie. So that came with a whole bunch of other... Um, difficulties in my life. So um, she was two pounds. She was very sick and very small. And um, we stayed in the NICU for 60 days. And I couldn't bring her home. So that was the hardest thing that <clears throat> not to be able to bring my baby home when I had her. That was the hardest thing I've ever had to do in life. Um, she, I had to keep her at the NICU. It's so funny how God works. Um, 
You blessed me. Uh, nurse Helen was actually the head nurse at the, at the NICU where my baby was at. And um, every single nurse there that was taking care of my Daisy Ray was, um, was God sent. <laughs> he just ordained every single step, every single path that we had to go through. Um, so there was another part, I was another experience with anxiety, being anxious, um, but also being thankful. Thankful that I was able to give birth uh, to a baby. And I just knew, as hard as it was to see her go through this, I knew that there was, um, that he was gonna get the glory in the end. And he is getting the glory in the end to this day. And he will forever get the praise and the glory for blessing me and, and bringing Daisy Ray. Um, so if I could encourage anybody today, it's just give it to God. Just, we don't have control over, and we don't want that control. And thank him, thank him in advance for whatever it is that we go through on a day-to-day -day basis, whether it be finances or, or um, whatever it is, jobs, family, um, rebellious kids, whatever it is that we are going through, just clear, just to have a peace of mind and clear our minds, give it to God. Thank him for taking care of it in advance and watch the fruits of your labor and prayer um, come forth. So thank you, Pastor Russ, for allowing me to share and uh, God bless you all. First uh, Thessalonians 5, 16, 18, it says, Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Primera de Thessalonicenses 5, 16, 18, dice, Estén siempre alegres, nunca dejen de orar, sean agradecidos en toda circunstancia, Pues esta es la voluntad de Dios para ustedes. Pues esta es la voluntad de Dios para ustedes, los que pertenecen a Cristo Jesús. It's interesting how we read these passages and then we see reality. And I second those uh, thoughts, man, how... God either has a sense of humor or he doesn't understand human nature. How in the world you are telling me to be joyful in the middle of uh, tough circumstances? So I am faced with a reality that I either think that God is crazy or that I should trust God. Those are my two options. When we realize that our best option is to trust God, things like this start making sense, not only here, but here. See, there is, there is a huge difference, understanding and understanding. 
hay una gran diferencia, ¿verdad? Cuando vemos estas cosas y decimos, ¿cómo es que Dios me pide que esté contento en medio de las circunstancias? Que no sabes cómo, que la vida es muy dura y que es muy dolorosa. Tenemos dos opciones, o pensamos que Dios está loco y que no nos entiende, o aceptamos esta verdad y creemos en Él. About 30 years ago, I... I think I started maturing finally, because uh, a little more than, more than 30 years, probably 32, somewhere, I was still single. Uh, and I, I realized that, uh, that I needed some uh, role modeling in my life. And, and that prayer led me months after, and I, it was God's plan, definitely, to, um, to a dear friend. He was, he was a missionary in Costa Rica, uh, George. I started, I remember praying to God, God, I don't know how to be a good husband. I don't know how to be a good father. Show me. But because I'm not that smart, I need a role model in my life. Uh, I, I don't do very well with theory. I need to see, I need to experience, to learn better. Uh, months after, guess what? Uh, God sends this person into my life. And that changed my life completely. Not only that, but I met Flory through my friend George and his wife, Gail. How do we give thanks in, in, in life? Uh, George, my dear friend, uh, adopted father, passed away last week. He went through a, uh, a terrible uh, stage four cancer. George, este de la historia, falleció la semana pasada de un, de un cancer terrible. How in the world do we give thanks when, when uh, somebody goes through these tough things in life? How was George giving, giving thanks to God in the midst of this sickness? ¿Cómo es posible que una persona tenga esa actitud de agradecimiento cuando está tan enferma, cuando en el caso de George que tuvo un cáncer terminal, en medio de todo esto él daba gracias a Dios. How in the world do we develop this amazing habit of uh, being thankful? And I guess in my experience, in my life, the only, the only advice that I could give you guys is to Live your life one day at a time, trusting one day at a time, because <laughs> life is crazy, life is complicated. And uh, in my life, I had the blessing, the opportunity to experience that. You know, it is one day at a time. It is one day at a time that I need to give thanks. So all of us, we go through time, tough times. God says, For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. And that is, that is the, uh, the second aspect. Praying, you know. Um, praying when we are driving. Praying when we are working. Praying when, when we are playing music. Play, praying when, when we are at work dealing with uh, people, you know. A simple prayer, it, it, is, it, is, it is a 24-7 thing. God, I know you're here, you know. And uh, I know you are with me. That is a simple prayer. And it, it is being uh, in that mode of never stop praying. 
yo creo que hay una actitud de oración, no es de sentarnos en un cuarto escondidos cinco horas, pero es una actitud del corazón todos los días, ¿verdad? Las dos cosas son muy buenas, pero es desarrollando una actitud de oración. So, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances. That is such a powerful thing, and I am very excited also for this new theme that Pastor Russ will, will be uh, sharing with all of us. We'll be learning a lot because uh, the theme for next year is keeping it real. And I am so excited. I am so in need of that because there are some areas where I said, mm, God, I still don't get your sense of humor here. But uh, I am hoping that through this new series for the, ne for the next year, we'll we all can grow in our uh, thankfulness to God. Yo espero que en esta nueva serie que se llama Seamos Realistas y podamos ser enfrentados ante la verdad del Señor, que podamos crecer aún más en nuestra actitud de agradecimiento al Señor. So, I'll read it again because this is very important. Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Primera de Tesalonicenses, y con esto termino, lo leo otra vez. Estén siempre alegres, nunca dejen de orar, sean agradecidos en toda circunstancia, pues esta es la voluntad de Dios para ustedes los que pertenecen a Cristo Jesús. Just, uh, uh, again, I'm looking forward to uh, this new series because there are, again, issues in life that are hard. How, how do we, how, how, how can I be joyful if I struggle with uh, depression or if, uh, or if there is a mental illness in my house? How do I struggle if I don't have a steady job? How do I be joyful if... How do I, how, how am I going to be joyful if, 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 if? So, next year, I am so excited. And I am very joyful for the new theme of uh, next year, keeping it real. Yo creo que este año vamos a aprender mucho porque vamos a poder descubrir cómo eh, ser felices en medio, inclusive de la depresión y otro tipo de enfermedades mentales y problemas financieros. So, thank you again. Uh, and it's been a wonderful journey. Uh, to share with, with our Sunrise family. This makes me joyful to be with you guys. So doxology is the will of God for us, is what I just gathered from what Martin said. La doxología, llevando una doxología es la voluntad del Señor para nosotros, de estar gozosos siempre en el Señor. So my question is this, what is that doxology, what is that expression of thanks and praise that you can carry with you wherever you go? ¿Qué es esa expresión de gloria y gracias a Dios que te puedes llevar contigo a donde quiera que vayas? It doesn't need to be long. It needs to be actually short so that you can remember it. We're to be people packed with thanksgiving. In fact, I think that's the Christian life. The Christian life is a life of doxology. La vida cristiana es una vida de doxología. Jesus died for us. He rose for us. He's given us all things. He's the perfect giver and he gives all perfect gifts. Every perfect gift comes from the Father above, the scripture says. Jesús murió por nosotros, resucitó y da todos los dones para nosotros. So what's our response? Praise God, right? Thanks God. I'm going to give you one other doxology. 
Don't ask me why I remember this, but I'm so glad I do. Third grade, catechism class, memory verse time. En tercer grado, me, yo memoricé un versículo, and I have this verse, it is locked in me, and I carry it with me wherever I go. Psalm 104, 24, O Jehovah, how manifold are thy works. In wisdom thou hast made them all. The earth is full of thy riches. Oh, Señor, cuán numerosas son tus obras. La tierra rebosa, dice, con tu sabiduría, rebosa la tierra con todas tus criaturas. That verse, I don't know why it's there, but it's stuck. And it's praise to God for all of his good, his good gifts. How manifold are thy works. Numerosas son tus obras. That's praise for the gifts. But it's also praise for the giver. In wisdom, thou hast made them all. The earth is full of thy riches. Other versions say the earth is full of thy creatures. En sabiduría las hiciste todas. La tierra está llena de tus criaturas. And here's the thing. Not only is the earth full of the riches of God through the creatures he's made and all the works that he's made, our earth has become full of the riches of God through one perfect man who is filled with the riches of God. La tierra está llena de un hombre lleno de las riquezas de Dios. Colossians 3, uh, 2 and 3 says, In Christ, all the riches of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ. En Cristo están escondidos todos los tesoros de la, de la sabiduría, del conocimiento. And so, we have reasons to give thanks, don't we? So, what's your doxology? That's my one question. What's your doxology, your word that's packed with thanksgiving? ¿Cuál es tu doxología? And how can you and I not only this week on Thanksgiving when we celebrate, but how can we go through our moments and through our days packed with thanks and praise to God? How, can, how and who and where can you live out doxology this week? ¿Dónde puedes vivir una doxología esta semana? So I'll leave those thoughts with you, and I'm going to invite our elder Tony to come up, and he's going to pray us into this. Uh, as we conclude our message, message time. Tony nos va a cerrar el tiempo de mensaje con una oración. You were Brooke's first uh, teacher. Brooke is our youngest daughter, and uh, you and Vicki uh, planted seeds in her that are still giving fruit today. All right, we'll talk about it afterwards. So um, I've got to admit, this is probably the hardest, the single hardest thing I've had to do uh, since I've been coming to Sunrise. Um, living the doxology life, I think there's not a person in this room that doesn't want that for themselves and their children. Living the doxology life simply said, finding yourself in a place, despite what you go through, what you hear, um, stress, miscarriages, stillborns, death, um, 
more month than there is money, um, walking around the same mountain for years and not getting it right. So I want to dovetail the prayer time into um, a personal experience that is light but drives the point home. Um, one of the th things that my wife and I do well together, um, we garden. We like landscaping. And it didn't always work out right in the beginning, but we find ourselves working side by side in that area quite well now. In the beginning, I thought my wife was evil when it came to landscaping because she cut one of my favorite um, plants back in hopes that it would grow and it died. It's stressed and it died. And I held that in my heart for so long that when she would come out to help in the front yard, I'd give her a look like, sit this one out. So, but as time went by, I kept an eye on her because she did some things that I was uncomfortable with, namely pruning. And she would do replants and give them away, replants and give them away. And little did she know, I replanted a succulent in the backyard a few years ago that I didn't give it a shot, but I was curious as to whether or not this actually works. Today, my replant is one of the nicest plants in the backyard. It's sturdy, it's dark green, it's awesome. So, dovetail time. We know the Lord pulls you up. And it is so easy for all of us to be planted and rooted and established because it's strong and it's secure and there's certainty in our lives. And we desire that. And then we give God praise. How that looks in a church family is you can find yourself in a church family and you are strong and you are rooted, right? And you are comfortable, but you don't want to be pulled up. You don't want to be uprooted. You don't want to be pruned because it's uncertain. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. So today, in closing prayer, I want to pray for the congregation that I believe the Lord is stirring in some people in this church, right, that he wants to replant you. He wants to grow you. He wants to have you flourish in life, but you have to be pruned. You have to go through something. You have to trust him. And right now, we're going into this next season called Keeping It Real. So that's where we start. We start with asking a simple question. Lord, are you stirring me? Are you stirring me? Have I found a seat in this, converse, in this um, congregation that I liked? Have you found a parking stall that you like? Have you found a time frame that you like? Have you found a lifestyle that you like here? I'm challenging you, let it go. Allow the Lord to uproot you and replant you. 
in your relationships in this congregation. As I speak, there are families that are going through this process. Cody talked to some people this week about hosting Bible studies in their home. So I want to challenge those of you who know in the, in the depths of your soul, God is stirring you. He's stirring you to take you to the doxology life. He's taking you there. But you got to let him pull you up. So we're going to pray, but I want to pray specifically for those individuals who are being stirred. Right? And I'm not going to ask you to stand and make some sort of public announcement, but I will ask you to raise your hand that our servant team wants to pray for you. We want to talk to you. Talk to you. A conversation, a dialogue, a back and forth about what is God putting on your heart. A lot of people believe that the servant team is fundamentally some rote stuff we go through, right? We pray for individuals, we meet, we, we wash dishes, we serve communion, we take care of the building, uh, the shut-in, but stretch us. Stretch the servant team to develop a relationship so that we can come alongside of you in conversation and have that conversation about what is God doing in your life? How is he stirring you? Is he stirring you at all? What is he saying? Because he wants you to grow. And anybody who knows anything about gardening, growth comes through pruning. He cuts you back, right? And it ain't a perfect life. My magnolia died, right? But the yard looks better now. The yard looks better now. So if God is stirring you in your hearts just by a little show of a hand, I want you to identify yourself because we're going to pray right now. Right now we're going to pray that we begin this process of communication where we find that entry point to where you're, you want to grow in the Sunrise family and become a mission partner and see where God's taking you. Any hands to pray for today? Any hands to pray for today? We're, thank you, ma'am. We're going to be here for the bake sale afterwards, right? I don't need to buy another cupcake. I really don't. And I want to talk to you. I want to pray with you. I want to sit with you. Any other, anybody else? God is stirring in you. He's stirring in you that he wants to do something with your life. He's taking you to the doxology life. He wants you to be an overcomer. There's stress out there. There's all sorts of things that work against you living that doxology life. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Well, that wasn't a hand, but that's okay. Thank you. All right, let's pray. Father, we come to your throne of grace. <sighs> only that you would be magnified, only that you would be glorified in all of our sin and all of our bad choices and all of our hypocrisy. Lord, we thank you that we have the Lord Jesus Christ who stands before you, Lord, claiming us, Lord, that we have given ourselves over to Christ, Lord, and we are forgiven. Father, we thank you for that. We give you all the glory and all the praise. Everything that we have today is yours, even if it's only a pair of socks, Lord. Prepare us for this season, Lord, of thanksgiving. Prepare our hearts, Lord, to look upon the abundance that you have given us, that we might share it, that we might develop a love language with those we don't know, whether they live in tents across the street, Lord, or whether they're our neighbors, Lord, that we have never spoken to. 
Lord, have us, Lord, serve others during this season with a smile on our, on our uh, faces, Lord, that we may speak Christ in our homes, in our relationships. Lord, may you be glorified, Lord. And for those individuals that raise their hands, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you be rooted and established, Lord, in them, and that you, Lord, will do mighty things with their lives, that they may bless others and give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. We're a family. Martin said that at the beginning, and so we want to conclude by coming around together as a family in a circle. Let's form a circle around our worship center. This is something we often do, but this is a special time, especially to recognize the gift that we have in one another. Vamos a formar un círculo en el santuario. I'll give you a moment to do that. And if you're not able to stand up, stay right where you are. We'll just sing over you and, and bless you as you go. Si no te puedes poner de pie, no te preocupes. Te, te puedes quedar sentado. Again, if you don't know that song, can we get the letters on the, or the, the words to the doxology up there? And we're going to do it in English and in Spanish. Cantemos la doxología en inglés y en español. And we'll see if we can complete the circle here. All right. Let's sing together.